Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Story Smack. This is episode 62 of Story Smack, a podcast about stories and storytellers in the world of pop culture. My name is A.B. Sigler, audiobook narrator and founding partner at Empty Set Entertainment. And my name is uh, Scott Sigler. I am a number one New York Times bestseller. And as I mentioned earlier, I am an FBI agent. <laughs> and back with us today, as you can see, is Empty Set Movie Maven Rob Otto. Rob, how are you doing? Uh, you know what? All I need is some uh, great tunes and some tasty waves. Oh, wait, that's a different movie. <laughs> I want everybody to know Rob is making a huge sacrifice to be with us today. He is a giant fan of the professional football. <gasps> And oh, Rob is, honey, uh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, we, we did <laughs> some really so bad much. scheduling. Really bad scheduling. But Rob's team, the Titans, does not play today. So Rob will get to get to be half in the bag, I assume, is what you do if you're a Titans fan. Tighten you know, up. Yeah, and, and you will uh, you would have been looking at an empty chair if that game <laughs> was going on right now. So, so all three of us are drinking um, from Just Shaker and Spoon the Kiss, what is it called? Kiss of the Ocean? Kiss of the Ocean. And, oceans. Uh, oceans, Kiss yes. my ocean. And as always, this is not a sponsored thing, although it's sort of fun because we get to share a drink with Rob and we're on different coasts, so that's very nice. Oh, different sides of the country. That is tasty. I will very remind tasty. you, hey, have you worn Scott that he can not eat I have not the sugar cubes you can chew on it it, but it's inedible because it's too fibrous but you can chew on it and get what they call the sugar liquor yes you can chew last night I shot an elephant in my pajamas how do I get in my pajamas I'll never know Although some of the things I know about Scott's gastrointestinal <laughs> system, maybe a little extra fiber wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. True, but to be fair, I'm the one who ate bad sushi All 10 right. minutes before going on the last story smack and missed it. So hang, uh, thank you guys for Cheers, uh, carrying on without James, me. James, David, Sherry, Nelson, who announced he is an FBI agent, Absolutely. which I really appreciate. Cheers to you, John T. Simon. Hey, guys. Oh, yeah. Matthew, look at all these great people in the house. So we're going to have a completely fun, careful, fun afternoon. Um, Talking about one of the most awesome movies of yeah, all time. This podcast is about Point Break, you guys. You keep talking. Um, we're going to have, in a moment, we're going to have Scott do the movie man synopsis for Point Break. Mm-hmm. But um, wow, I haven't seen this film in a long time. And, and I'm sort of happy and sad about seeing it. Do you want to give us it the... Is- uh, one of the best bad movies ever made. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, and to be fair, as movie. many movies as I've seen, I didn't realize it was quite so bad it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> until I saw it again. Yes, let's get to let's get to the movie voice. All right, here we go. <clears throat> After a string of bizarre bank robberies in Southern California, with the crooks donning masks of various former presidents, a federal agent, Johnny Utah, infiltrates the suspected gang. But this is no ordinary group of robbers. They're surfers, led by the charismatic <laughs> boat, charismatic Bodhi, who are addicted to the rush of thievery. But when Utah falls in love with a female surfer, Tyler, who is close to the gang, it complicates his sense of duty. 
That's it. That's, that's the it. intro. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Simon argues that no point break is great. It's great fun. It's we're going to talk. We're going to get into it. We're going to get gonna into it. it but first, mm-hmm. we're going to do the general box office info for you guys. Right. Um, the uh, point break cost twenty four million dollars to make in nineteen ninety one dollars. That's forty six million dollars in today's dollars. Mm-hmm. Back then, it took in just shy of eighty three point five million dollars domestically in its original release. And that would adjust to about one hundred and sixty million, a little more than $160 million today. So it was successful back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk a little bit about what successful back in the day versus what successful today <laughs> means. Uh, um, but uh, first I want your, you, you, this is your shot, gentlemen, to give me your thoughts on the movie. Rob, lead off with your general thoughts on this movie, sir. Uh, it's, it, this is one of the movies that if you ever want to see male testosterone bromances yep. and why they have become so popular, mm. Watch Point Break. So you're saying Donnie, this this movie Johnny started that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Th- th- this did it right because this is you know listen there were other ones you know you you get into uh, Rocky three with Apollo and Rocky you know running on the beach and the, the, you know, <laughs> giving you know each other like, yeah ooh, right yeah, yeah that kind of stuff yeah but this this movie is just based the plot of the movie is based around Johnny Utah who has fallen in love with Bodie in a very heterosexual way. Mm-hmm. They're li- hetero life mates. And I think lo- there are several hetero life mate movies that sort of work um, work the system not as well. I agree with Rob. I, um, I, 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 I know that, that we have this listed later, but one of the things that fascinated me is, is Keanu Reeves sees that his, he believes that his character, Johnny Utah, over the course of this movie, loses his morality because he, he, he starts to love Bodhi and he knows mm-hmm. Bodhi is is not good he's not a good man he's not a peaceful man he's not trying to get everybody to nirvana he's not uh he's selfish and shallow in that regard mm-hmm. he only wants what he wants so i love that i will also i mentioned it before I loved this movie. Uh, Rookie, you said you saw it a hundred times. I'm, I'm not sure I saw it a hundred times that first summer, but I saw it a lot yeah, of times. I yeah. grew up in New York, so we, I didn't know any surfers, and brah, that was so cool, you brah. know, and I didn't know any of that. And uh, I have seen it over the last 30 years for sure, 25 years for sure, but n- didn't remember that it was terrible until this time. <laughs> I, I, I also had a uh, revised memory of this movie, having watched it many times um, in theaters. I think even on VHS. That's how, how far back this goes. Mm-hmm. Real quick from the chat room, Simon, I'm glad you're drinking a drink, and I will make your day a second time by saying your name a second time. That's Gareth, the third time. That's the third time. Gareth, welcome. And uh, Kyle liked the movie when it first came out. And Simon Dawson makes another good point. Bad Boys is the same with the yeah, bromance. and I was actually going to say. Jack Coon, Coach Jack Coon in the house, Rob Otto. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. Coach Coon. Coach Coon. I love it. Preppo. Prepty. A <laughs> couple of really good points. Uh, bad Boys, uh, Simon mentions that Bad Boy is the same with bromance. Bad Boys. And it is. That's totally true. Mm-hmm. Um, I also find that. Strangely, the Lost Boys, not at all, even though they're doing the same thing that we're doing in Point Break. There's bad guys who are doing bad things Mm -hmm. to to the people in their town, but you don't feel okay with that the way you feel okay with this in this one. You know, and then there's that, you know, they beat up the Red Hot Chili Pepper Nazis acting as Nazis kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And that's all good and you're fine with that because Brody saves his bro. Brody saves his bro. All right, Rob, let's uh, let's get into this. Uh, lead us off with your incredible movie breakdown as you're wanting yeah, to do. Yeah, so Rick King, who's the producer, one of the co-producers on this movie, this is his idea. It came out of his head. So he was in L.A. on the beach and he was reading a, uh, what was it, an L.A. Weekly article 
about how Los Angeles was the bank robbery capital of the world. And okay. uh, early on when we first meet um, Johnny Utah, the stats that he says about how many bank robberies and everything in the year mm-hmm. came directly from that article. Right. And so King oh, wow. is sitting there on the beach watching the surfers, thinking about the idea of so many bank robberies. Uh-huh. And he just put the two together. Right. It's it's really that simple. That's where that's where the whole idea came from. <laughs> it's it's it, it is pretty impressive. And uh, I I'm, I understand Ridley Scott was originally slated to direct this. But yeah, you want to talk about that. Thelma How weird Louise. would that have yeah. been? Right? Uh, Could have been weird. I, I can't imagine Ridley directing this and having any of the levity. It would have been such a darker right. film. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, keep reading because he's replaced. Uh, let's see. He's replaced by Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> yeah, Catherine I, oh, Bigelow. I got to, I got to in a row there. Yeah. He's replaced by Catherine Bigelow, which is what I, I what I love about this template for template setting bromance of action and violence is the bromance. It's directed by with a with a female director by and, a woman, uh, yeah, by a fantastic. woman, and that may have brought out like that may be some angle that yeah, it's hard to think about. Ridley Scott having the same level of of brotherly affection. Uh, and Coach, oh, you want to Coach, talk about that? Let me throw this in. Scott. Okay. Ridley Scott decided not to direct this movie because he decided instead to direct Thelma and Louise. So you get Ridley Scott doing Thelma and Louise. You get Catherine Bigelow directing Point Break. Yeah. And I think I mean, everybody wins for both of those movies, actually, <laughs> right? Because who knows? I mean, you can't know. Um, so you want to? So you were saying? Well, I was saying, and Catherine Bigelow's husband at the time, James mm-hmm. Cameron, uh, he helped perform rewrites of the script, but received no credit. Did he not get a producer credit for this? He did not get a producer. Oh, I thought they, they oh, acrimoniously. Like, well, that's not true. Yeah. Oh, he didn't get a writing credit. Producers, but he didn't get a writing credit. Get a writing credit. And as it happened, Point Break arrived in cinemas exactly one week after Cameron's Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Incredible movie. Yeah, and one other thing that's interesting to note about Catherine Bigelow. So Catherine Bigelow makes this movie, which is, you know, for, is is beloved and and rightfully so, even though mm-hmm. it's it doesn't make a ton of sense as, as things go. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And, and it is sort of lighthearted in a way that Ridley Scott wouldn't have brought to this movie. Yep. But she goes on to, to, to absolutely storied success in her Hollywood career. She is the first woman to ever win a Best Director Oscar. She's the okay. first woman to ever win a Best... Beat her husband out for uh, it, by the way, which <laughs> made me very happy. Her ex, yes. She beat James Cameron out that year. She also was the first woman to win a, um, a Best Director, uh, Director's Guild of America award. Okay. These are huge accomplishments. And she does that with the Hurt Locker, which is exactly the movie you would think, gosh, Ridley Scott could do, direct that. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> he could absolutely direct the Hurt Locker. So it's weird how they how she grows as an artist from this very lighthearted, I mean, not weird, it's great, that's what an artist should do, but mm-hmm. moves from this very lighthearted romance to this very, very heavy, um, also sort of romance. Now, we are uh, Coach Kuhn in the room. Uh, Coach Kuhn was one of my high school football coaches, everybody. Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk a little bit about football in this movie. But, uh, <laughs> Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Johnny Utah? Well, you know what? I want to backtrack a little bit because we skipped over the, the screenwriter mm-hmm. when I was talking about Rick King. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, Peter I uh, See, I just did it, Scott. I told you I would pronounce his name right, and I pronounced it wrong. Peter Illiff. Mm-hmm. Um wrote the script king paid him six thousand dollars and so he had to work all day as a waiter and then write the script at night <laughs> so um now he does go on he writes varsity blues uh he wrote let's see what was the other one a big oh patriot games so 
Trust me, Patriot uh, Peter Ellis is doing just fine. But Scott, I thought you might be able to uh, talk about a young up and coming writer <laughs> who had to work all day, get home exhausted as hell, and then have to try to be creative. I, I can't imagine you have it's, anything to say. About no, that. I, there, there, nothing at all to say about you. Go work. You work a job all the all the live long day. Then you come home. The only time you can write. Although I used to write at lunch on my jobs, and uh, oh. sometimes before work. The best job I ever had was uh, support. Other than this one. So other than this one was support rep for a company called Baseview Products, and I worked a shift that was noon to seven p.m. handling people's computer support calls, and I would so I was able to get up, be writing at eight o'clock, write for three hours, go to work, write at lunch. And then and then come home after and write. And then while I was on the call, I got to play bass guitar all day, just working through scales and things. Oh, let me let me help you with your computer. Just sit there noodling along. It was a, it was a great <laughs> job for doing something. Off great and job. Turn it back on again. Have you that turned it was off? almost <laughs> always the the solution was almost always turn it off, turn it back on again. <clears throat> all right. Where all right, are so we? you asked me about Johnny Utah. Yes. I want to. I love talking about this idea of alternate universes where original casting would have happened. Okay. So imagine, picture this: you've got you know Bodie played by Patrick Swayze, and then this FBI agent walks in that's going to learn how to surf, played by Matthew <laughs> Matthew Ferris Bueller's Day on the Surf. Apparently, is what they were going for. Well, and what's crazy and, about this is the thing that I recognize the most about him learning to surf is that he's um, pigeon-toed. And he's the only actor I know by his walk because he's pigeon-toed. Which would make it a little bit more difficult to surf because the, your directional with your toes is important. He couldn't have done yeah. any worse at throwing a football than Johnny Utah did. That's for <laughs> no, no, yeah, sure. That's true. But I can't imagine Matthew Broderick, you know, leading the Ohio State Buckeyes <laughs> down the field for victory in a in a, in a Rolls Bowl. I'm just saying. So. Yes. Um, and and this isn't just they thought of Matthew Broderick. He was offered the role. Oh, oh wow! My goodness. Holy and crap. turned it down. Yeah, right. Exactly. But they also uh, Johnny Depp, Charlie Sheen, Val oh. Kilmer, Willem Dafoe. These are all people that they tried out for this part. But Catherine Bigelow, to her credit, said, listen, Kiana's the guy. After she saw him, she was just like, I'm sold. And honestly, I'm not going to direct this movie if you give me anybody other than Keanu Reeves. And Robbie, so, do you know, did Willem Dafoe, was he auditioning for Johnny Utah? Yeah, that's oh who they were considering at the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, when I when I first uh, saw you write that, I thought I thought he might be for um, for Angelo for, for yeah. a, a Busey's oh, yeah, character. No. Yeah, well, interesting. I mean, you got to remember this is you know yeah, years sure. casting yeah. in the late eighties. He would have so. been much old. He was a good fifteen years older than uh, than mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves, but uh, I think he could have uh, obviously he could he can do anything. He could have pulled that off. Now, Rob, he would have fit in, better in the Ridley Scott version of this movie. <laughs> maybe so, That's probably maybe so. True. So Catherine Bigelow really knew what she was doing, and then yep. she also had someone in mind for the female lead for this movie as well. She actually, she actually didn't at first. Oh, did right? she? Okay. They auditioned, you think, God, surfer movie, California, right? They interviewed, they auditioned, buxom, blonde, beautiful, sun-kissed skin. That's who they were looking for. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Lori Petty comes in. And she is smaller. She's tighter. She's got she some muscles going athletic. on. Athletic. Yep. Right. Exactly. And Bigelow said, well, damn it. That's who surfs at the beaches I've yeah. been to. Yeah. This is the kind of person that we need. I don't need a bubble headed blonde, you know, to, to be in there. It wouldn't make any sense. And honestly, that's not the kind of woman that Johnny Utah would fall for. He's mm -hmm. seen those girls all his life. He's never met anybody like 
like Lori Petty and Tyler before. Sure. And that's when she was sold. Now, the film was originally meant to be called Johnny Utah. And Keanu Reeves, <laughs> when he was cast in title role, the studio felt that said Jack Squat about surfing, which is which is actually true. Yeah. Also, imagine seeing a movie called Johnny Utah and all the trailers are about surfers. You would be so yeah, very yeah. very confused. By the time the film was uh, cast with Patrick Swayze, they were working. Working title was Riders on the Storm. Oh my After the famous song by the Doors. However, the lyrics have nothing. It's a it's a lot of drugs, but that's about it. And there's so much and drama and serial killers. So much drama in that song. That's so crazy. So it was not until halfway through filming the project that Point Break became the film's title and if you've watched it as many times as I have you can see they actually use the words Point Break yep. in the movie mm-hmm. and uh Go so ahead. I will, uh, David Lamb, you asked, did Lori Petty do this film before Tank Girl? And we actually looked that up when we were watching it in the last couple of weeks. And no, Tank Girl came first. Oh, Tank Girl did come didn't first. It, didn't we look that I up? Thought, I thought it was the other way around. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll double check we in a minute. We looked it up, but, but clearly we were half yeah, in the bag <laughs> and we were looking <laughs> that up. Apparently we were in right, other checking. But keep in mind, doesn't necessarily mean that it came they out weren't the filmed yeah. at that's different right. times, right? I'll look Just that up in a second. Tank Girl was released earlier doesn't mean that Catherine Bigelow knew about it when she cast her. Uh, although, you, as you say, the title does not say all that much about football, it is true that Johnny Utah is the protagonist of this film. Uh, you know, I think that Bodhi sort of behaves as a, pro, an, a protagonistic antagonist, really, because okay. he's definitely the bad guy. And uh, so when this, uh, uh, when that happened, he and then they picked Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves um, has a character who had never made it past being a quarterback. Uh, at Ohio State in the movie, mm-hmm. but Peter Illiff, the um, the screenwriter, chose the name Johnny Utah as a riff on Joe Montana. Joe Montana. And the Which, my... honestly, until I read that, <laughs> it never even a freaking occurred to me. Robbie, this morning I was I was reviewing the script before I sent it, and um, I said to Scott, like, "Oh my God, I never even thought of that." And I said that to him, like, "Johnny Utah is a riff on Joe Montana." He's like, "What are you talking mm-hmm. about? Joe Montana was a pro player." Like. No, 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 Montana, no, 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 no. Utah, state, Montana, Utah. First name, I didn't see it either. state, last name. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he did another very famous football movie too, didn't he? Yeah, of course. So Re- Keanu Reeves would actually go on to play another former Ohio State quarterback as Shane Falco in the 2000 film The Replacements. I would like to point out that in The Replacements, uh, Keanu Reeves' passing mechanics were far superior to what they were <laughs> in Point Break. Point yeah. Break, I had to stop the movie. I mean, he had 19 years practice. Uh, Dude, he, how can you not teach someone to just bring the ball up, you know, get some basic? He's supposed to be a Rose Bowl winning quarterback. And when you watch Point Break, if you guys ever go back and watch it again, watch the beach football scene. The man oh. runs perfectly fine. <laughs> Watching him, it's like it's like he never held a ball of any mm-hmm. sport in his hands ever in his whole <laughs> life. It's very the, the mechanics are very bad. Doesn't know how to throw. Doesn't know how to move. Doesn't know how to do any of the basic fundamentals. But in the replacements, he does a much better job. Yeah, and yes. for me, I did not play football, so I never noticed that until you said it. But yeah. I kept every time they do that that um, that fire lit. Uh, football on the beach. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how are they running for 20 minutes? I'd be so exhausted. Be very tired. Very tired. Running in the sand. It's, it would be terrible. And it's really since... interesting to notice that obviously Catherine Bigelow also realized uh, how bad it was because you never actually see. Never they see always the cut ball. the shot right after the ball leaves his hand. You never get to see the ball travel for even eight inches. <laughs> 
after he throws it because it probably did not make it past no. the offensive line. Looking at his throwing motion, about eight inches is about as far yeah. as that went. Uh, they had UCLA head coach Rick Neuheisel served as Reeves' football mentor on the set. His job was to teach the actor how to throw, but he said Reeves was hopeless. Bigelow had to use <laughs> someone else to launch the balls because the actor could not complete any passes. Now, supposedly, he's a, ho- a kid who's a hockey player who hurt his knee and didn't play hockey. Uh, you watch him now as, as John Wick, very athletic, and the opening training scenes of Point Break. He's very athletic, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm not so sure about that hockey thing yeah, after watching well, throw football. Yeah, well, and you think about this. This is sort of early in Keanu Reeves' career. Um, what we know now, which we didn't know then, it, but contributes to part of the success of Point Break, is Keanu as an actor or uh, at the very least as an employee, is super committed to getting it right. So we know from John Wick that he has spent an enormous amount of and, and, uh, uh, time training with guns. We know from the Matrix series that he spent a lot of his own time and money uh, improving mm-hmm. his own uh, ability to do those sorts of high or, right. you know, tactical and wire-strung uh, um, special effects and stuff. So maybe this is the start, and he's, he's not Keanu Reeves yet. Not quite Keanu Reeves yet, and so he can't be like, all right, I'm going to need like four months. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Well, I, we I found understand. that very interesting that uh, the opening scenes of Point Break are him. First of all, Johnny Utah is not smart enough to put on a raincoat, which should tell you something <laughs> about his ability as an FBI agent because he's a terrible, a terrible he's FBI so agent. Bad. But he, he, the, the movements he does in that are very similar to one of the famous training sequences he did for John Wick that went around the Internet, watching him rotate through a shooting range, firing many different weapons, and just crushing the target range. So that, at least he knows how to do that. Yeah, and uh, Robbie, you actually brought this up, but um, 
before the movie started, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, and Lori Patty, who are the primary uh, surfers that they shoot scenes of, spent two months um, with a world-class professional big wave surfer learning how to surf on the Hawaiian island of Kauai. And his name was Dennis Jarvis. The surfer's name is Dennis Jarvis. And he said Patrick had never had been on a board a couple of times. Keanu, who grew up in Hawaii, had definitely never surfed. And Lori Petty had <laughs> never been in the ocean. Come on now. Um, That's freaking great. And when you Maybe she was of, from Utah. <laughs> exactly. And when you think of that... While you instantly noticed that He's that Johnny was never yeah. an Ohio State quarterback Correct. ever, Correct. Um, you know they do enough um, p- passingly, and you get a lot of a break with the ocean because it's really hard to see somebody's face on a big wave, you know. So they used pro surfers as stunt doubles and stuff like that, but. Um, but Dennis uh, Jarvis says shooting the surfing sequences proved to be a challenge for all three actors with Swayze, Swayze cracking four of his ribs during Ouch. filming. Ouch. And so for many of the surfing scenes, he refused to use a stunt double as he had never had one for the fight scenes or car ch- chases either. He also did all of his skydiving scenes himself, and the aerial jump instructor Jim Wallace found that he was a natural and took to it right away. I love this. Uh, this is also information from, from Robbie. Um, Swayze did 55 skydives for that jumps for that film and uh we find out after the fact um he actually did on on the weekends and on his days that he didn't have to be on set he went back to the airport and did other dives He's, too yeah, which awesome. i wonder if he could possibly get away i mean he can't but if people could possibly get away with today with insurance oh, I, I don't probably know. not a couple, of, a couple of quick notes from the chat room if you guys listen to the podcast you can't see this we do this live stream uh at facebook.com slash Scott Segler, youtube.com slash Scott Segler, twitch.tv slash Scott Segler. You should check us out on those places. Um, uh, Nelson McClintock says Tank Girl was 1995, mm-hmm. so definitely came out after this. And so. Anori Ashworth says, wait a minute, wait a minute, says that Reeves was the goalie in Youngblood, in the hockey movie Youngblood. Well, you remember. Which Patrick he... Swayze was also in. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's crazy. Now, they, he, they could went play, way back. he could play goalie. Goalie doesn't require you to pick up a ball and throw it. Not well, that hockey does, but still. And, <laughs> and, the lack of athletic ability was amazing. You're shocking. quite, you're quite uh, bundled up there, too. That's so. fantastic. Thank you, chat room, for that, that information. That's, that's why I always played goalie in soccer. <laughs> but I will say, I crazy love the this movie in, in this way. Uh, there's football in it. There's surfing in it. There's skydiving in it. There's an enormous amount of running around L.A. County in it. This is a very X Games it's movie. It's a very X Games movie that you don't even notice. Like, even though it's about surfing, it's not really about surfing, bruh. Yeah. It, it's about the... Because even... Spoiler alert. We should have spoiled it alert at the top. Even when... Utah knows that Bodie knows that Johnny Utah is an FBI agent and he shows up at his house in the early mornings like, bruh, we're going skydiving. Like they go skydiving, which is the perfect moment to fix this. And they really just want to give him the spiritual experience of skydiving. Uh, from a script writing perspective, it's clear the script writer was working a lot of hours as a waiter. <laughs> because the bank robbers that so the FBI holes. agent has visually identified knows who they are, knows they were going to be there. Knows where they live. The bank robbers show up at his house when there's a gun a foot from his actual foot. And he's trying to, like, sneak it in there, and the guys in his house are not armed. Like, pick up the gun and arrest the sons of bitches. They're right there. Or, now that you know it's Bodie, call it in and have actual officers from the LAPD go pick him up at his house. To be fair, he was banging Lori Petty, and he he lost track of time. He lost track of time. What, What can you do? What can you do? Still, call your boss. 
say, look, brah, I got this girl right here. Yeah, he, but did, he did have a lot of time to call that here in. Here is the address where the dead presidents live. Super easy. So I want to talk. Let's do you have a picture of Swayze you can put up with his uh, long, I, luxurious, beautiful. You know what? I will I will get it. I think I missed a picture of Swayze when I was putting together the, the actor. So hold on, yeah. let me do that. All right. So well, uh, while you're doing that, let's just talk a little bit about him because he was really he was the big sell. Nobody knew who the hell Keanu Reeves was. Right. Right? I mean, he was he was you nobody. See. But Patrick Swayze was the guy. He was just he was coming off of um Ghost which was done just before this movie, which came out, which was enormous. Mm -hmm. um, he had also done Dirty Dancing a couple of years before that. So, you know. Where, where does Roadhouse fit into this, Robbie? He did, yeah, he did Next of Kin and Roadhouse. Oh, I love Next of Kin. Movies as well. So okay, okay. All, all, all of that came before this. So, yeah, Swayze was the big sell. He was, you know, the flowing locks and the golden abs and all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> golden abs. But here's the That's interesting sure. thing. So the whole Bodhisattva thing. So Bodhi, which I'm still not convinced is his real name because pretty much all the other people in his crew other than Nicholas have a nickname. So, okay. Uh, but Bodhi is short for Bodhisattva, which is a Buddhist term about, you know, someone who is enlightened and is ready to go to the next level but they choose to stay back to help other people oh, get wow. to the next level of enlightenment. So that just sounds like the nickname that someone sure. would give to the character. Of yeah, Bodhi. I assume. I never the, assumed that was his real name, the character's real name. Yeah. For the longest time, I thought his real name was Alphonse because during the first um, scene when they're skydiving, Keanu Reeves, when they're arguing who's going to pull their ripcord first, Keanu Reeves <laughs> says after you alphonse and i thought that was like a slick way of reminding him i'm an fbi agent i know who you really are oh is that possible yeah but it's not possible because <laughs> that yes, phrase no. after you dear alphonse is actually from a really old um cartoons uh cartoon series okay um in the newspaper newspaper cartoon what's the word i'm looking for Words comic strip, comic strip. Thank you very much. Sweet Jesus. What is in this, eh? What is, what it's a this? lot of rum. A lot of rum. Right. Anyway, so yeah, from uh, from an old series called Alphonse and Gaston, who were a couple of French guys oh, okay. who were always screwing things up, but they were very polite about everything. So the, the idea of, after you, dear Alphonse, no, after you, dear Gaston, uh. was actually a line. So there is not, even on today's interwebs, there is nothing to say whether Bodhi is actually his real name, and if it's not, what that's, his real name. that's one of the one of the tricky things as a writer of any stripe. When you include pop culture references in your work, mm -hmm. uh, you that can become dated very quickly, and mm -hmm. that's one of the things. Like Stephen King is famous; he doesn't give a crap. It's out when it's out, and he doesn't care what it's going to be in thirty years. Whereas a George R. R. Martin has no pop culture references, so his work will be presented as it is well after his death. They put this comic, this uh, cartoon, comic strip reference in, and nobody knows what the hell it is. Well, and interestingly about that, your point to uh, the timeliness of it, uh -huh. I in in lockdown, I've read a whole bunch of like older books that come 
that are re- very cheap on, on Audible. Okay. And very many of them talk about the benefits of their flip phones or I have to grab the VCR tape or mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And instantly I'm like, oh, well, you guys don't know about masks and hand sanitizer. Like, you don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't notice it so much with pop culture references, but with hard hard tack things like a cell phone or whatever, I do. And this movie, I think, has at least one gigantic some sort of gigantic CB, C, CB radio yep. that I thought might have been a brick, might have been the oh, first, wow. cell, but it's way too early <laughs> for the first cell phones. It's like five or six uh, years early for the first cell phones. Quick uh, quick dip in from the chat room. Uh, Bertman 4 says, ah, the skydiving scene. I remember the Mythbusters episode where they proved mm-hmm. you can't hold a conversation while skydiving, and which we makes Mythbusters about, yeah. even more awesome. But we actually talked about that when we were watching it because, you know, Again, I have all the love for this movie, so don't hate me for this. But y'all, if you ha- if you're watching this and you haven't recently watched it, watch it because you're going to be sitting in your house where you've been for ten months, and you're going to be like, uh, if they're in the reservoir in L.A. County and they're running, and Johnny Utah is a obviously a sniper shot because that's the very first scene we see in the book, and then he messes up his already bad knee, and Bodie is running away. Why does he shoot into the air, which is illegal in L.A. He's County, number one? Instead of shooting him in the knee just one time, give him the mm-hmm. same the same injury that ended his career. Give that injury to him. Why doesn't he do that? And instead he goes, oh, and it's ludicrous. It's very ludicrous. Because, it's very because ludicrous. of love. Yeah, he can't. He can't. He you can't know, shoot if you his, love him, you shoot, shoot him boy. in the knee. He can't shoot his boy. I mean, I get this. You could shoot this. him in the butt. You know, when you find your pals, you don't walk around shooting your pals. It's just not done, even I mean, though you're an FBI you agent. Could. And then here's, also, here's the real interesting thing about that scene, uh, because you know when he's getting ready to shoot at Bodie, they keep getting closer and closer. The shot gets closer and closer, and you see, <laughs> you see Bodie's eyes. Yeah, that's not Patrick Swayze. Is that right? He was in Europe because Ghost got released after they in Europe after they started shooting this movie. He's in Europe on a press tour. So that's actually his double in that chase scene okay. when they're running after oh, each other. Fantastic. And so when they're closing in on his eyes, it's not even Patrick Swayze's eyes, but those deep ocean blues. Mm-hmm. I did not, I did not know that this, shoot that this very moment. Uh, Cause I assume they came back and post ended that. Just like, let's get some close ups of Patrick in the mask, but that's his stunt double also has this. There's a lot of goddamn blue eyes in this movie. Anybody know there, this? There are a <laughs> this lot like of a Nazi recruitment film. It's a, this movie. Very, <laughs> a lot of very tan, very beautiful bodies in this movie as well. Um, Nelson McClintock has the comment of the hour. Uh, you are correct. So going back to our d- idea that this is a bromance, pop, 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 pop. Keanu Reeves shooting into the air is an ejaculation. I love it. I, I genuinely <laughs> nice. love this oh, idea. It's Nelson, really yes. lovely. Yeah. Nelson, yes. Uh, I would like to, one of the the the, the wonderful staff of um, Story Smack puts together many wonderful notes about this movie, all the movies. And one of the things they point out is, this one. the film inspired a piece of cult theater, Point Break Live, in which the role of Johnny Utah is played by an audience member chosen by popular acclamation after a brief audition. The new Keanu reads all of his or her lines from cue oh, cards Keanu for the duration Reed. of the show. Keanu reads, yes, to <laughs> capture to capture the rawness of a Keanu Reeves performance, which also means showing up having not read the script and just winging it. Even from those who generally think themselves incapable of acting, the theater company also has done T2 and Top Gun the same fashion. I saw that show in San Francisco. And? Love it. Way back Love when, that you've seen it. 
Catherine Bigelow was there, and she would stop the show and come on and give stage direction. And no it was, way! Oh yeah, she was. It, apparently, she doesn't always travel with the group, but she was there, and it was it was spectacular. She could not keep a straight face. <laughs> and they got a young woman. I'm gonna guess she was probably 25, and she was maybe four foot nine. And she, she was she was Keanu Reeves. She was Keanu Reeves, just little t- and little tiny, and she just was having a good. T- it was it was a, if you ever get a chance to see that show, go. It's spectacular. I do have to say this now because now we're sort of off the movie for a moment. I um I was a blockbuster video entertainment specialist in mm-hmm. the late Ooh. 80s, early 90s. This sounds fantastic, but here's what that means. I wore a polyester vest when I worked at my blockbuster shift. Uh, I always worked Friday and Saturday nights because uh, I was so popular. And I had to wear this ugly vest and it said entertainment specialist on the back. And how can... I help you on my boots, (laughs) which they didn't plan terribly well, or maybe they planned very well. Or maybe they planned perfectly. Yeah, so it was, I can on my shoulders, or how can I on my shoulder, right on my sternum, help, or uh, how can I help you? It was terrible, but fantastic. And one of the benefits of that is I, there used to be these mass market uh, paperback video review books that Blockbuster put out. And I swear they were like four inches thick. And they were like a 20-word review. And I got to review Keanu Reeves' movies and submit uh, reviews for that movie. So at the time, there were 20. Mm-hmm. 20, ending, 20 Keanu Reeves movies at ending the time. With, um, yeah, and I think ending with um, probably Little Buddha at the time. I can't quite remember. Okay. Um, but I got to do that. And it's so interesting, this idea that if, if you watch every Keanu movie that you can... This idea that he sort of shows up unprepared or he's just the same dude all the time, you know, it is so clearly not true. No, it's it's not true. But what and is he gets a true, bad rap. Yeah. yeah, and I think the reason he got a bad rap is he understands his sweet spot as an everyman. He understands that he's, and I don't know how else to say this, he's definitely could be leading man. He definitely could be supporting cast. Right. Um, so he's kind of like mid-rangey. Like he's not, he doesn't care to always be Mel Gibson level. I'm only going to take it if it's huge. He wants it to be real and worthwhile and, and whatever. just a wonderful, he seems like a wonderful guy. He's so good to his fan base and everybody mm-hmm. else. And he's, he's really- He's the internet's boyfriend. He's the internet's boyfriend. He's an American treasure. But let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen, look at me. Look at me. I'm going to be the one to say it. I'm going to be the one to say it. I think Keanu Reeves is awesome. I'm a huge fan. I love his movies. He's a better actor now than he was when Point Break came out. That's a perfect way to say that. I think we can say that his skill has improved dramatically. I I don't disagree. I also think part of his skill set is choosing the right vehicle Uh, to showcase his skill set. He's clearly brilliant at picking the right movies. Point Break, Matrix, the John Wick. And John Wick is the kind of movie that only got made because he signed on and it has become mm-hmm. this huge franchise for him. And Bill and Ted, everything, uh, he's just, he's you're, you're right, eh? Mm-hmm. Him or his team are very good at picking projects and if he's listening to his team tell him which projects to take, then kudos to him for putting smart people around him and listening to them. Rob, what else? What I'm are, not even oh, sure he has a team, actually. I, probably not. Probably not. What, what other cool things can you tell us about this movie, Rob? So you brought up John Wick. And, um, you know, of course, the the whole plot of John Wick is a guy uh, going after everyone he's ever met after they kill his dog. (laughs) Right. So there is a scene in this movie that will make John Wick very upset. So oh, during just that, one. Oh, why did you <laughs> no, have to bring this you up? Do. You, you have, have to do friend. it. Come on, man. During, uh, it'll make you feel better at the end. So during the foot race, uh, Bodie, who's actually not Patrick Swayze in this scene, but that's okay. 
grabs a pit bull, throws it at Johnny Utah, <laughs> and then Johnny Utah has to catch it and then punts it out of the way. Apparently, uh, also the punter at Ohio State. <laughs> but you will be glad to know, Catherine Bigelow has said, this was actually one of the most complicated shots in the whole movie because they had to use a combination of real dogs. Okay. You know, when Patrick Swayze picks it up and tosses it, real dog. Right. When uh, Keanu catches it, real dog. When he punts it, it was not a real dog. They okay. had like a stuffed uh, version of the dog. I so assumed he no, didn't have him kick it. No dog. And, Especially and a giant ass hear, pit bull right, like that. Even though we hear the, oh, that little mm-hmm. whelp, we, yeah. I, we never actually see the kick. We, 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 don't, we never see the connection, which is yep. fascinating because probably if I had to guess, Catherine Bigelow is so talented or whoever her, her uh, directors are like, yeah, that looked totally like a fake dog. Looked, We're just gonna yeah. cut right at the at the it's, contact. It's, point. it's one of those things. It's like uh, the movie, you know. Really, speaking of Ridley Scott, it's like Alien. The Alien monster scenes with a guy in a suit looks so bad when he turned it in. The studio's like, just just cut is cut all this. This looks terrible. And by cutting it mm-hmm. and not and having that negative space, that's why everybody thinks it's so terrifying. The last shuttle scene, notwithstanding, that that uh, creature effects yeah. are fantastic in that. But overall. A lot of bad work. The cuts for when he punts that dog, I, I'm not even sure if it's a half a second. It's real, real quick. Oh, very, very quick. Right. And it's so minor. But the good news is John Wick is never going to have to try and hunt down and kill John of Utah. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Judge Judge Wolf Jam says, props to set up. Did someone say alien? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so if you guys... Uh, uh, I've had this... Uh, I, I see... Um, Howard, you're saying that you remember those books. I will tell you, I used to answer this question a lot, a lot, a lot. The say, blockbuster books. The blockbuster okay, books, yeah. I would recommend, if you have never seen them, to um, watch The River's Edge. Or I think it's just called River's Edge. It's a River's very Edge. early yep. ke- very early Keanu movie, but it is worth watching. I also think um, if you are kind of into this, I think, uh, into Keanu Reeves and you want to see different things than you know and love him for now, I would also suggest My Own Private Idaho. That's a very heavy movie, but okay. I think he does a wonderful, wonderful role. And River Phoenix is in it, right? But not too long before he dies. And I think that's totally worth watching. This is a great note. Whichever one of you guys came up with this note, this is fantastic. Definitely Robbie. Uh, let's go back to the camera here. <laughs> Definitely Robbie. <laughs> the ex-presidents are made up of Jimmy Carter, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, and Lyndon Johnson. The group die in the same order in which the presidents held office. Rob, was that Come intentional? On. Come on. It's so smart. It had to be intentional, right? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I Listen, if it wasn't intentional, Catherine Bigelow should go to her grave saying it was intentional. <laughs> Absolutely Because that is freaking genius. Mm-hmm. Um, and, go ahead, babe. Go ahead. Uh, there's another great note here. Second unit director and stunt coordinator Glenn R. Wilder held mm-hmm. fight training sessions for the cast on weekends because director Catherine Bigelow wanted the actors to do their own fights on screen without stuntmen. And the fight scenes uh, are there's no there's very little shaky cam. These yep. are actually the guys doing it. It's not like watching <laughs> Alias on TV. You're like that is not that girl at all. It's pretty good. But Anthony Kiedis, lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, my favorite member of this movie, without without question, mm-hmm. was allegedly the only cast member to miss the training. So Wilder had his character knocked out with one punch during the first fight sequence in the movie. <laughs> That's what you give her being at the time a very drugged out rock star who doesn't well, show but, up for stuff. But right. think about this. He's also, I mean, I know Flea is quite famous, so I, I might be speaking uh, uh, there, out the, of my yeah. depth, but at the time time he's a very identifiable face too because he's because he's the front man right, right? exactly he's the one exactly you always see singing exactly and so you right. sort of love that he 
he's he's the friend like it's this in, in your books everyone everyone is at risk of dying no right. matter who they are is right. at risk of dying and i think that uh you would never think that anthony kita showing up in this movie in this year that it comes out in 1991 would get decked and knocked out in the first shot. And I love that Anthony Kiedis was like, right, I'm in. That's great. You know, like he was fine with it. I love that. The thing I love about Anthony Kiedis in this is the Red Hot Chili Peppers are by and large a band about love and brotherhood and community and, you know, and identifying with their city and just largely Mm -hmm. being loving, peaceful guys. And Anthony Kiedis as a as a jag off beach bully is fantastic. <laughs> a Nazi like beach if, bully. Because remember we bully. find out they're Nazis later. If that if that dude crawls up in your grill at the beach, you'd be like, I think I'm gonna leave this part of the beach because this <laughs> for dude sure. looks for plus he was all ripped up. So yeah. uh, I have to take a moment for the people who are listening to the podcast, we do have a live stream. We do have chat a comment room, a chat room in there that you that we've mentioned. Uh, my brother, hello Jude, I love you. My brother uh, Dude, since you can't buddy. see that <laughs> he came in and the first thing he said is Robbie <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if Rob can see the chat room because he's on Zoom. With I us, cannot. So. See yeah, the chat so room. I wanted to mention it. Uh, Thank but, you. Uh, so, so while we are on the Red Hot Chili Peppers, yep. um, Keanu plays no favorites in terms of his favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper because he did also star in a movie that A has already mentioned. Flea also appears in My Own Private Idaho. Mm-hmm. So oh. he has. He does not have a favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper unless you're talking about a ghost pepper. Which is one million. We might dollars. have to do a whole story smack on the movies Flea's been in because they're yeah. They're great. I mean, I would love that too, or the Red Hot Chili There's Peppers the because they they do a lot of this. They they contribute to several movies along the way. I will say this for the we've been talking a lot about all the sports, but um, the, sports. the 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 crew and the and the producers and everything did their job and also had um, had some FBI uh, people talk to the cast and crew uh, to help them do that. This I love so much because it is yeah. totally true 30 years later or 25 years later. In his 2004 book, Where the Money Is, FBI Special Agent William J. Redder writes that he spent some time with Reeves to give him tips for the role. Then he says, quote, unfortunately, none of these pointers came within a million <laughs> miles of the finished film, he writes. Turns out an FBI uh, life as an FBI agent is not as exciting as Point Break makes it out to be. Nor is it very accurate. As Rada writes, Point Break is one of the dumbest bank robbery movies terrible, ever made. Terrible. And it totally is. And dude. Uh, what's that what's that show pitch meaning? Uh, you guys, after you uh, yeah, go to screen this, rant pitch if you're meeting. watching this on YouTube, go to you on YouTube, look for Screen Rant Pitch Meeting Point Break. I love the pitch meeting series, and it is it is amazing how quickly they dissect how incredibly bad the FBI agents are in this so movie. But it's so many things, right? It's it's the first thing that happens is uh, when Lori Petty, when Tyler and, and Johnny Utah meet, is Lori Petty saves him from the ocean, and then does this really performative, "What are you doing out there, scrub? You don't belong <laughs> on the water." And Go it's back insane. To the valley. Go back to the valley. <laughs> Although that actually does happen, and I, when I first came to California, took a took a handful of weekends of surf le- lessons. Oh wow! Finally popped up, finally rode a wave, finally screamed "Bazai!" and rode a wave in, and never surfed again. Still, <laughs> still have a surfboard in the garage. Still, twenty years later, have a surfboard in the garage. Yes. That said. Uh, I have seen, which you see in the movie, I have seen people be very tor- territorial about their coves and their breaks and their waves yeah. and say, like, you don't belong here. This is not how you start. If you're good enough to ride these waves, we know it. You're not. Go the, go the F home. Go, the, be- go the, the F back to PB where the waves are baby and learn to surf there before you waste our time. Because 
we only have a couple and I kind of get the rationale like I'm going to come all the way out here I still have a life to live I want to catch the waves when they're good and you're dinking around it's sort of like going to a blackjack table not knowing what you're going to do in Las Vegas there's only a limited number of amount of time you can enjoy that unfortunately they're kind of shit people who are like (laughs) and for those of you Petty does this totally performative thing and then immediately starts to date him immediately Um, I would like to say that uh, those of you who watch this movie if you think if you think surfing is easy, I've never tried it. A's tried it. My nephew Tyler, who was enough of an athlete to uh, be with the Arizona Car- Arizona Cardinals and get cut just before the first game of the season, we took him for surfing lessons, and he couldn't do jack shit. And he's he's the six foot four uber athlete who can do anything. He could barely get on the board at all. But I will tell you guys, I know we can't travel right now, but I know everybody's saving up for their rainy day vacation fund when we can. Uh, If you come to Southern California and you want to try surfing, there are several surf companies. One is called Surf Divas. Uh, Divas doesn't necessarily mean just women. And they promise you that if you do their full day thing, you'll... They, they give you a 90% surety rating that you'll be able to pop up at least once Fabulous. that weekend. Fabulous. And I couldn't do it the first time, but I did took Surf Divas and I could. So if you want the experience just to see how hard sometimes people work and it just looks easy, that that's available to you. It would be easier to rob banks if the FBI of Keanu Reeves and uh, Gary Busey yeah, were after you. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Oh my God, we definitely Gary do. Gary Busey is Angelo and Johnny Utah. Let's talk, talk about that real quick. This will be the last point, Rob, so go for it. They just... Everything they do <laughs> is wrong. But look okay. at his teeth. If that's look the at last teeth. point, we should just end there. I mean, literally everything they do is wrong. Uh, this is the this is one of the greatest Gary Busey roles next to DC Cab. Dell and DC Cab is hands down it's but, his best but role I, ever. Okay, I'm going to give you a tiny bit of argument. The moment, oh Lord, poor Gary Busey. The moment where um, uh, they finally meld as a partnership um, mm-hmm. when when Utah keeps poking Angelo. Oh, you're so old. What is it? What is it? Give me your theory. If you feel alive, fucking feel alive. It's so ridiculous. I actually think that moment probably happens. Like probably, I mean, not so dramatically, but like you either... You either are my partner and you share with me but your crazy not theories. They've or you been don't. partners for four hours. I mean, it takes a <laughs> I, agree. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But it, we only have a few hours for the movie, so we got to do what we got to do. And after Busey is already pissed that the new kid has him, you know, babysitting a car that he knows isn't going to give them any information, you stupid crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just. But, but that part I think is realistic, if not the timeline. I yeah, think that okay. that getting to know each other is realistic. Neither one of these FBI agents, and Gary Busey plays a long and storied, successful FBI agent, and he tells you every chance you get in the movie. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. 20 plus yeah. years. When Keanu you were, is new. Uh, when, when you were rubbing poop on your face, he was in <laughs> Vietnam taking care of business. Exactly. Right. And exactly right. neither one of them are as good of an FBI agent as I am. Also, as yeah. I would shoot at suspects in the knee. I know that most people hear this on the podcast, but for those of you in the chat room, if you have any recollection of being a child and rubbing poop on your face, I would like you to share that with us. I feel that is something that most people do not do. I mean, I have, I believe that I, ha- I know as a babysitter, I have babysat a toddler who has used poop as finger paint. 
Oh, well, but did the... On the wall? It, no, no, on the wall. On the face. wall, like make art on the wall. But yeah. no, I've never seen that part. All right. Now, he does also say something about uh, beating off to the Sears catalog. <laughs> I'll raise my hand for that one. <laughs> uh, there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, before the internet, which was uh, largely made for porn, where the Sears catalog was uh, was the go-to source for many, many young men. And I will tell you, right. my, young men. my favorite, uh, when, when that line came up, I thought, I, I always went through the Sears catalog and highlighted fancy prom and wedding dresses. <laughs> Which is a totally uh, different thing. I did something to the pictures of the fancy prom and wedding dresses, but it was not bright yellow. I can tell you that much. Oh, Lord. Oh, All right. So before we move on, let's, I mean, we really want to magnify how stupid they were as yeah, FBI Yeah, hit it, agents. Robbie. Go. All Go. you have to do is look at um, when they're uh, Anthony Kiedis and War Child, and you know when they're trying to bust the first four surfers that they think, and they're doing you know a home invasion, mm -hmm. they've got the place surrounded, all this stuff, right? right? Okay, um, everything in that is wrong. Everything. There's, there's no backup set up. It's nope. literally four guys, right? Yep. Um, they have no communication at all with Gary Busey's character, who's supposed to be the one that's I'm going to start getting you in the door just to see, right? He's got to let them know when it's time to come in and no communication with him. And if at any point the uh, the lawnmower goes off and they can't hear what Keanu Reeves is saying, yeah. just the fact that Keanu Reeves opened his walkie-talkie should let the guys know Correct. he's trying to tell us something. Correct. We've lost communication. And you go in. Everybody going back off. Right. We either back off and reset. Or go or all in. No, you go. go. When there is when there is a law enforcement officer who is at a an entrance point and you lose communication with that person, it's it's all it's go 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 everybody in. Well, and also four four people going up against four, four bank robbers in their own home when they are suspected of thirty seven felony <laughs> bank robberies <laughs> and with violent with weapons and you send four FBI agents including a guy who's been on the job for like two weeks that's just nuts that's bonkers oh, not only that he dudes. was in charge of the entrance <laughs> oh, it gets the guy even who's better. been on the job for four weeks it gets even better okay one there's four people not one of them secured the innocent houses around that yeah. house so maybe <laughs> nobody used the goddamned lawnmower and no, and and still, Keanu Reeves didn't pop up, flash his FBI badge, and do this. It, which, if somebody did to me, and I don't even have a lawn, I would be like, "I'm gonna go inside. It's I'm, I'm gonna go inside." And this is a this is a lighthearted action adventure movie. I get that, mm -hmm. but when you when you go through how bad the FBI is in this movie. It's it's quite staggering. But I also love that everything is bad in this everything movie. Is the bad FBI in this movie. is bad everything. in this movie. The surfing is not great in this movie, <laughs> except for the pro, except for the stunt doubles, you know. And mm -hmm. the idea that Keanu, at the end, as an FBI agent, one still has his badge, two somehow funded his around the world trip to try and catch Bodhi, which doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. Nobody would fund that. Oh, that's government money, bro. That's but, go which which, which bro, government that's money? Bro. Bro. Government, which government bro. money? Because the bro. FBI doesn't have the right to just send the one. The FBI will haunt you to the ends of the world if you are a surfing bank robber. You know why? Because they are an F F B I. I Agent. Uh, it's a, you know what? You can all burn in hell. This is a spectacular movie. <laughs> there is Nelson a, makes a great point. Nothing wrong with this movie. It's Nelson flawless. makes a great point. So Keanu Reeves is struggling in the bathroom and hiding in the bathroom, and, and twenty minutes later, probably two minutes later, the lady in the shower is all like, 
and, and knocks him ass. on the head. Whoops his ass. Whoops his ass so that maybe then one of the, ter- the, the, the criminals can come in and break the mirror with his, the back of his head. You know what he never does? He never bleeds. Also, let's talk about, um, now I'm back on the bad FBI agent tip. <laughs> if, if you are a law enforcement officer An and you look agent. in the window and there is a multiple felony count perp opening up a giant bag of weapons, mm-hmm. guess what doesn't happen? You don't drop back down and be like, hey man, we got to get out. Like, If you can't reach the rest of the FBI guys... I'm sorry, FBI guy's going to drop that dude. Drop him on, yeah. and uh, you do not allow someone to pull out weapons and disperse weapons. Some of this I know because I have some wonderful law enforcement agents who are very helpful with the fiction, and we go over this stuff quite a lot. I've even been able to train with a SWAT team once. This is That is not how any of this is done. Also, is done. you know what's not done? You don't get approval and a flipping warrant from your FBI bosses without the FBI from, from doing who? Your FBI, FBI bosses, uh, without them checking interdepartmentally to make sure there's not a that's DEA the be- deep deep the cover part. guy. That's the best yep. part. Also, when John C. Riley and uh, I'm I'm a little sorry we didn't get any points about one of my friggin' favorite great. actors yeah. in the world. John C. Riley is the best part of Point Break, and there's a lot of good parts uh, in Point Break, but there's no question that this God, man. I, um, yes, yes sir. I would need to interrupt you. That is not John C. Riley. Oh, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Not John C. Riley, though. Who is it, Rob? I got a brain worm. See, now you've got John C. Riley in my head. McKinley. John C. John McKinley? McKinley, I think. McKinley. John McKinley. There you go. John yes. McKinley. It's there's also a middle initial. You can all screw off. John C. I, McGinley. John C. Yep. McGinley. Thank you very much. I was two thirds of the way correct. Everyone... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, anybody's last name doesn't mean anything there. Scott <laughs> Jones. Listen. Listen, Scott I, Smith. I have a journalism degree. I'm a trained observer. <laughs> I'm a trained observer of the human condition. And I guarantee you getting two of the three names correct is, is pretty good. You can print that. You can actually roll to, you can go to press with that. Oh, Lord. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Brad, baby. Rob, is there any other points with your knowledge of movies that you want to bring up before we wrap this baby up and go watch some football? Well, I think just the most important point is uh, the use of the word fuck in this movie. Uh, <laughs> Always one, important. 105 times does a cast member in this film say fuck. I so love it. I love it. There you go. I love it. Because one of the things, of course, I write books. I get bad reviews. As If you sell enough books, you're going to get a lot of bad reviews and a lot of good reviews. And all of that is perfectly wonderful. One of the things that is common in probably half of my bad least, reviews yeah. is just it was a good story, but why does he have to swear so much? So <laughs> when I see this 105 times, that movie, the movie Point Break with shiny soap scrubbed Keanu Reeves has the word fuck 105 times, it makes me happy. It makes me and I will happy. say, Open to door, end this, baby. I Open will door. say um, at the end of, um, I guess, Bodhi's life at mm-hmm. the end of Point Break, uh, Johnny Utah says, vaya con Dios. Oh yeah, hit me with that, baby. Which means go with God, and and there's another. He he actually says, Keanu. No, no, no. Um, P, um, Patrick Swayze has this happen, right, Robbie? In another. Yep. In which At other the movies? End of it? Red Dawn. Yeah. Um, who I like to call, I call him Cuban Warren Moon, uh, who is the uh, you know the the Cuban Colonel in <laughs> Red Dawn. I'm what's the Warren? Because he looks like Warren Moon. He well, he's Cuban and looks just like Warren Moon. <laughs> so Cuban Warren Moon. So the last thing before his character dies in Red Dawn that is said to him is Vaya con Dios. And I That's love it. this because this is another FBI agent gone rogue. Okay. Uh, he literally draws 
all of the Australian equivalent to the FBI to this yeah. beach that has only one a- a- in egress excess. Mm-hmm. And then he lets him go in the ocean. He's like, what are we going to do now? How are we going to catch him when he comes back? And they're like, and Keanu Reeves is like, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. Ludicrous. He's not. He's not. Com- he's not. Coming <laughs> back. He's not coming back. And I am no longer an FBI, FBI <laughs> agent because I threw away my all right, baby, lead us out of this. Uh, well, you guys saw, those of you watching at home, uh, not listening, saw a graphic that came up that shouldn't have come up earlier, so go ahead, baby. Uh, so first we're going to uh, say thank you so much, Robbie. We mm-hmm. have decided, the trio of us have How's decided that yeah. uh, the next Story Smack will be two Saturdays from now. It is January the 23rd, mm-hmm. and in the what we're going to be reviewing is Executive Decision. It stars... Uh, Kurt Russell and because uh, it involves Gull. because it involves a, a presidency and it'll uh, be the and change it's sort of presidency. The twenty third is right around the time of the inauguration in the U.S. So we figured we would give you an example of a president uh, a president making decisions, executive decisions, <laughs> as it were. Executive uh, decisions that involve a gun and a badge or not a badge, but a lot of guns, a lot of guns. So <laughs> if you guys want to watch along, two weekends from now, we're going to be having this discussion with Rob Otto. Thank you so well. Rob, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, my friend. <laughs> With your puka always beads, a pleasure. Rob. Your puka beads and your gorgeous mane. All right, Robbie, we will say goodbye to you, and we will now phase you out. You're the best, Rob. Um, hey, man. Hey, Bodie. Thanks for all the life lessons, bro. <gasps> bro. Thanks for the life lessons, bro. Love you. Love you. Out. Here we go, Lay, uh, baby. Let's finish this bad boy out. What do you think? Uh, sure. Let's see. We are doing that and that. Go ahead, babe. So that is episode sixty-two of Story Smack. Uh, you can find Scott and I online. Scott is at Scott Sigler on Twitter and Instagram, and his Facebook page is Facebook.com/slash Scott Sigler. I'm at Averill on Twitter and at a.real.girl on Instagram. You can find us online at facebook.com slash storysmack, which I'm in charge of updating and is updated maybe one out of 10 times it should be updated. You can watch a stream storysmack live at facebook.com slash storysmack, twitch.tv slash scottsigler, and youtube.com slash scottsigler. We would love to have you here to join us, talk about movies every other Saturday. And in addition to Story Smack, weekly on Wednesday evenings, we do something called Sigler in Place. Uh, Sigler in Place is a once-weekly live stream on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time, right here where you saw us. And that's just us hanging out for an hour, talking about stuff and things and getting through this lockdown. And we release an unabridged serialized episode of one of my very girthy, turgid, swollen audiobooks every stinking week. You can get episodes for free every Sunday via iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio and more. Just go to scottsigler.com slash subscribe for the links and you can hear this voice tickling your ear canal every week and we, every Sunday. Sorry, we do hope that you subscribe <laughs> so that you can hear that lovely voice uh, in Scott's books and more story smack goodness in the future. And until next episode, we will see you all real soon. Big dating game kiss.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.